This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, February 1st. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. Not a ton of big news uh, around Notre Dame with signing day coming up this Wednesday. Much more anticlimactic than it used to be. Notre Dame will continue to wait and hear from Logan Diggs with regard to this Wednesday. But other than that, I wouldn't anticipate anybody else signing with Notre Dame. Notre Dame well represented in the Senior Bowl and the Hula Bowl as well. We'll talk a little bit of Notre Dame basketball here at the end. But uh, Logan Diggs, that Notre Dame is waiting on him. It's our understanding that he's actually already signed. So that's a that would be a matter, if he does not want to attend Notre Dame, that would be a matter of him petitioning to get out of the letter of intent. We'll see what happens on Wednesday. Your thoughts on that, guys? You know, it's. I think if you're Notre Dame, you want to fight to keep him a little bit. But if you get to a point where he's feels like LSU is the place to be, then I don't, I'm not sure how much you want to fight that if you're Notre Dame. Like, if you're just going to have a transfer down the road, like bringing somebody in against their sort of against their will, air quotes here, um, probably not a great practice. Yeah, at the age of, especially at the age of pseudo free agency, right? If if someone wants to leave, it's a lot easier to leave. And if you do, if you want to get someone young in to to help uh, support your running backs room or other rooms, it's a lot easier. It's really weird to start talking about that, but it is going to be the norm. Where not let's not say Logan Diggs, let's say something that is happy. Let's say Brady Quinn shows up on campus and he's like, ah, I, I could play better. This this team stinks. We're five and seven. I want to leave. That's just that's the way it's going to be, right? No, I mean, it's, it's true. I think that day, that day is right around. In, yeah. in addition to you know one time transfer without any repercussions I the day is right around the corner where when this day comes you don't have to petition it you can just say hey I made a mistake or I want to do something different or you know you don't have to go through all the reasons that um, Eddie Vanderdose had to go through way back when <laughs> yeah and I get I get the one-time transfer with no repercussions I mean it's what coaches do all the time and I get I get out from your perspective and, and football coach's perspective that's the worst thing in the world but there's no avoiding that. I mean, it's just. No, there isn't. I mean, as far as. Uh, once, uh, once petitions started happening and getting granted, then it's like, well, why are you not granting him? And then it's just right, go. Right. It. Yeah. yeah. It's like, look, it wasn't, it was that long ago, but I think we all remember Greg Olson, former Notre Dame tight end of two weeks who got to Notre Dame. Other got beat out for the quarterback job by Brady Quinn, who you just mentioned. Like, it was just like, you know what? I'm out of here. And that's fine. Like, it was not good for Notre Dame. Like he would, he would have helped that offense. <laughs> yeah, that's right. However, um, if you want to move you on think? and be somewhere else, then you should be able to move on and be somewhere else. That would have been an unbroken chain of tight end you instead of yes. Gary Godsey coming into the to the uh, equation. But that's okay. He, he did his job. Notre Dame, as I said, well represented at the Senior Bowl. Ian Book, Robert Hainsey, Dalen Hayes, uh, Liam Eichenberg wasn't there. It's my understanding that he was advised by uh, his agent, who I'm not quite sure who that is, but was advised by his agent not to participate. He's late first round at best, probably probably early second round, but that was his choice. Aaron Banks was there. Ben Skoranek was there. I didn't hear a whole lot about him. He had a foot injury. Uh, he had a foot injury, okay, in Ade Ugandeji, So, And then Nick McLeod and Sean Crawford, I don't know if there was anybody beyond those two, they were at the Hula Bowl, and Nick McLeod had two interceptions uh, yesterday, I believe that game was. But, you know, I think Robert Hainsey, we were talking about this before we started recording. I thought Robert Hainsey looked really, really natural, especially as a as a pass blocker at center. That's 
that's his um, that's his future on the inside um, moving forward. He's such a good football player. Um, you want him on your team, but you just know it's different tackle in the NFL. I mean, his arm length matters. All that stuff matters more than it did in college. So move to center. Robert Hansey can do it. I mean, Pete Sampson and you, Tim Priester talked about that in 2017. And then, as we pointed out, by the time it was 2018, maybe just let the starting right tackle stay at right tackle. And that's what they did. <laughs> it makes yeah. to, or 2019, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think it's – I really want to see Hainsey, um, um, You know, I'm sure he has committed to moving inside. I think it's great for him. Okay, it worked out for Zach Martin, so <laughs> – yeah, that, if, that's true. He really wanted to play tackle too for a while. If you're remember? a slightly <laughs> undersized tackle. I mean, Quentin Nelson wanted to play tackle at some point. But oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not 6'6 six, six with arms that are fit yeah. for a seven footer, like moving inside is probably a better idea. So, like, Hainsey always looked like he was a future <laughs> interior guy playing tackle and did a really nice job playing tackle while he was out there. I think Zach Martin could have played left tackle. I mean, I get it. I don't remember exactly what his arm length was. I think, I think he could play anywhere. He's that good. But uh, as a seven-time All-Pro, yeah. he could just yeah, yeah, might not better Hall of Fame tackle. <laughs> right, yeah. he's just Hall of Fame guard. Right. Good move by him. Right, and Quint Nelson, he always looked like a guard, and I, he you know, did. he was, he was he upset. Really did. He was yeah. a, there. There, there were some really hurt feelings when, when they put him at guard initially when he came to Notre Dame. But again, I think that's working out pretty well for him. <laughs> that's, Go down as a good tackler, the best guard of all time. It's probably going to work out fun. <laughs> Three straight all pros, right? So he's off to a good start. Ian Book, I did not see his – as you said, Tim, I saw a good portion of his practice stuff. He was 5 for 11 in the game for 48 yards and interception. I did not see that. A lot of our – a lot of the reports uh, – the interception was the game situation equivalent of a hail mary. Like you had to throw the ball. Uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Other than that, that was there was a little bit of a, a beef on Twitter when somebody, uh, a few Notre Dame writers, including Tom Loy, shot back to the guy that said watching Ian Book throw is like an atrocity or something on that throw. On the it was like it it was a it was something where you had to throw. It had to be the hail mary attempt per the rules of the game. And it is like you understand that he would not have thrown that ball, right? But anyway, it was you know when you have someone scouting that doesn't scout that person tweeted yeah. about you well know. his his body of work in college will speak for itself I mean I, I think it's good for him that he showed well in in drills during the week and probably probably show that he's a good study you know and things like that but when you've won 30 games you know and started for for basically three years uh, I, you know ultimately that is what's going to determine his his fate and future in the NFL you know, I, I think it's it's interesting because I think some people were chattering about like, oh, you know, Ian Book's going to really open some eyes this week and Mobile. I'm like, started 35 games at Notre Dame. Yeah, like, that doesn't like, make sense. Well, I feel like the book. God, I can't believe that. <laughs> I made it five years. <laughs> us, but uh, like, you, that first week, you probably had a book yeah, on. Yeah, let's say, yeah. <laughs> the scouting report on Ian Book is like long since been established, and I don't nothing. Nothing that I think happened at Mobile will change it. He looked like he fit in, which is exactly how you would assume that he would. Right. He didn't stand out as like the best quarterback there. I don't think there was an expectation of that. But he looked like a, a legit pro prospect, which is exactly what he is. I don't know. I heard the way people were disparaging Sam Ellinger. I, I thought that, you know, I thought that that uh, book was head and shoulders ahead of him. Uh, some of the things I read. You mean cliches bother you? If I didn't have cliches, I wouldn't have a writing vocabulary. <laughs> I want to know if Ian Book and Sam Ellinger got together and be like, 
man, your fan base is crazy. Your fan base is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, Dalen Hayes did some good things, I think, as well. Showed himself in some past coverage. You know, again, and you, Tim, you talk about the medicals. Um, and he's, he has he has uh, shoulder issues, shoulder surgeries dating back from high school. I think it's going to be, in addition to not being a, a, a pass rushing defensive end per se, I think it's going to be very difficult for him. Good all around football player, though. Yeah, that's and it, the, you know, and, he, and, and he's, he'll learn whatever scheme they put him in right away too. Like that's a, it, I think the medicals is even bigger than than not being the natural pass rusher because I think they just find a role for you in package in packages in the NFL now where. I'm kind of talking over myself when I said, well, Julian Aquara is going to go really high because he's a natural pass rusher. I don't mean Hayes is going to go high. I just mean he gets in the league and as long as his shoulder shoulder holds up, he can he can play football. He's a good football player. I don't, I'm concerned why about the 10 plays against Alabama. I mean, we never had a chance to follow up on this because it's not something I even honestly noticed during the game to ask Brian Kelly why Dalen Hayes played 10 plays. But clearly he must have tweaked something, right? It makes no sense. I mean, he played. But it'd be playing a gofu yeah. over him the whole time. Right. right? That makes zero. It's yeah. not like they're yeah. just looking for a pass rush in Foskey. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a strange thing. So he probably tweaked something, but um, he went, obviously he's okay because he went to the senior bowl. Let's, let's finish this segment before we jump into our questions with Notre Dame basketball. They won three out of four. Their streak against ranked teams continues, however, all in 28. Uh, but lo and behold, they, they started working on, uh, see, there's a cliche. How about that? They start working on defense. <laughs> I swear to God, I wouldn't be able to write if I didn't have my cliches. Uh, they start working on defense after starting out 0-5, and, and they have been better. They're not going to be a lockdown defense. And, you know, Pittsburgh's the best team that they've beaten. That that was an 8-4 and team. That was a, you know, yeah, that was an 8 team a week yeah. ago. They're solid. They're solid. I did not think Notre Dame. I didn't either. Pittsburgh would was compete. I, yeah, they were terrible. I don't, I mean, that's a, how do you lose two games on the road and come home and do that? that? That's like, I have no idea. That's a horrible effort for a team that has some athletes. Um, yeah. But Mike Brace said we won three out of four post game. I was like, what? <laughs> Even though I knew they won three <laughs> out of four, it just didn't feel like it. Right. And they could win four out of five. Cause wake is another lower level team here. They can take Wake's out. Been, wake has been playing better, but yeah, they have them at home tomorrow and they, they should, and that would move them up to four and six in a conference, which after starting out, zero and five, but yeah, again, yeah. they're not, they still, again, for, for years now, I mean, you can say now for years now, they haven't, you got to beat somebody that's good. You got to be in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was that team. Nordheim shot lights out. They were, they were shooting 65% through the first 30 minutes of the Pittsburgh game, but Pittsburgh just, I mean, you're right, Tim. After losing twice, they just looked like they weren't that interested. Yeah. Huh? I mean, what it's, what's Capel doing that he, that your team would react that way to? to that was strange. I mean, they just got lit up. I, I know Notre Dame was hitting. I mean, it's, I think it was probably set on our message board. Yeah, it's easiest game them. in the world when the ball goes in. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Notre Dame's right, good. So the ball keeps going. It's Notre Dame yeah. shooting well. It was, yeah, it was yeah. Pittsburgh's indifference to competing. But it's better than the alternative for Notre Dame. You mentioned they could be four and six. They were 0 and 5, and they were, we were, we had totally buried them. Now they're not alive as a viable NCAA tournament team or a contender to win the NIT if they have that tournament. But look, 0 and 5 mm. and awful to watch and miserable as of Wednesday to holy cow, they're capable of that is the best case scenario right now for Notre Dame. And they can win another game, win another game Tuesday. It's pretty astonishing, though, that you. That that I mean, it literally took an zero and five start to really start focusing. Yeah, on and that's the problem with that is they're juniors and seniors and graduate students too. You know, it's this is that was if this was the freshman team, 
that everybody said was going to be good two years ago yeah. that started 0-5 against right. that schedule. And that's, it would be and different. That's, yeah. And that's all I was expecting, that they would start to live up right. to their capabilities. And, you know, Mike Bray's honest to a fault. He's too honest to a fault. He's too honest for his own good when he's speaking to the media. Because when you, when you start talking about, you know, we're, we're focusing on being in a defensive stance, <laughs> I mean, what in the world? Pete, Pete has Pete. That's our uh, Andrew Hendricks. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the down and distance. When Brian Kelly said he's learning down and distance, going I mean, to his senior if, year. <laughs> if your if your reserves beat your starters in practice, um, that's not good. But when that's, you challenge your starters too, yeah, and they lose. Well, true. Although your starters are playing thirty six minutes a game, so I mean they got they got to get the rest somewhere. But I, no, your, your points well taken. There's no doubt that. I mean, how that can happen. And, and I still really do not. And it, this goes, this is across the board in college basketball. When, when you, when you have some bodies, what you, you mean, Matt Zona can't play four minutes a half. Every time he comes in, he plays well, he can't play four minutes a half or Tony Sanders jr. The most athletic player on the team can't get two minutes in the first half and three minutes in the second half or three and two. I just, you know, especially when, I mean, as, as poorly as Notre Dame had played, what, at, at what point does you say, what, what's, what's the difference if we replace, yes, you know, Jawan Durham with Matt Zona. Now Durham's playing well now. He's he actually, he's, he had, but... he's had four and he's playing with some confidence and some shooting ability and, uh, you know, he's played, he's played better, but yeah. um, you know, the <laughs> hole's so big now that. I don't want to belabor your point, Tim, but. 13 years ago, before I was covering Notre Dame basketball and just going to games, my exact quote was, you can't put Tyrone Nash in for four minutes. You can't put in Tyrone Nash for four minutes because Zach Hillisland has to be out there like he's Scotty Pippen or something. I mean, are you kidding? Just they right. have to develop these guys. And then, it's, and just... then not too long after, he, uh, uh, Ty Nash was playing 34 minutes again. And even if I didn't know he could do that, he could still have played four. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it just, it's a strange thing. All right. Well, they're on the upswing. We'll see if they can beat Wake Forest. We'll be back segment two burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. This is segment two. We call it burning up the boards. And we start with a question from Ron, Mexico, 183. Would you push for or pass on Logan Diggs, I would push until until he says that he if he doesn't want to be here, then I think you you would accept that. But I would keep pushing until you get to that answer. Um, you know, you recruited him. You think he's good enough to play here? He's obviously had a really good high school career in Louisiana. Like if you're Notre Dame, you see. Hopefully, you can see what you got in South Bend, and then and then go from there. Absolutely, would not pass. You're collecting talent. You're in the business of collecting talent, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a, it becomes a five running back room with plenty of talent in there. I mean, the least talented running back in that room will probably be Sebo Flemister, who's already proven he can play at this level. That's a good he's point. not a lead. He's not a lead running back for a championship team, but he's a contributing running back for a playoff team and possibly a championship team. So yeah, I, I push for guys that can play. And as we look, as Priester mentioned in segment one, nowadays, if somebody doesn't want to come, they're not going to come anyway. Right. It's not, you're not totally yeah. trapped. You get out of it easily if you want to be. Right. And you know, the other thing is like, you know, say four months from now, Audrick Estime doesn't think that he wants to be a Nordame either. So, 
Uh, or Sebo Flemister because he's Cibo third Flemister, strength. Exactly, yeah, 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 or Sebo yeah, Flemister. Yeah. So the, the thing about, I mean, when I first saw Logan Diggs, I was like, could you please run between the tackles? And, and that's still important. And he's capable of it. You see him do it, but he likes to kick things outside. But I've mentioned this a couple times. If Tommy Reese is going to emphasize the outside zone, Logan Diggs is tailor-made for outside zone runs. So you push for it. You see if you get him. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think we've already been given indications that he doesn't really want to be at Notre Dame. He'd rather go to LSU, I presume. That's where he wants to go. And so uh, the NCAA or whoever makes those decisions will ultimately rule in his favor wherever he wants to go. Bill Irish, which early entry freshman are you most excited to see this spring other than Tyler Buckner? Pete? Uh, Lorenzo Styles, for me, um, is I, I think the player who could impact the roster the most this year. Um, but that, but I'm all the DBs. I, I'm just sort of curious where they fit. Do they look like they belong? Um, you know, I think last year's early enrollee DBs, you were like, woof, they got a ways to go um, physically. But uh, you know, so I'm curious if Riley um, and those guys can hold up a yeah. little bit better. Philip, Philip Riley, Ryan Barnes, Justin Walters are the the three freshman yeah. DBs that are that are early entries. And they all get to hit the um, theoretical too deep. <clears throat> excuse me. By the end of spring, if they if they play well, they can pass somebody. There, that's that's what it yeah, comes down to yeah, at those positions. Right there for them. Um, I want to see Spindler, but Spindler in August will be more of a uh, all right. Let's see what they have here because right. he'll need these five months, six months to be in the Bayless's uh, system. Yeah, I want you know I want to see Styles too because I agree, Pete. I, th- I think that. Um... You know, he's a guy that can impact certainly those DBs. I, I, Spindler was my number one rated player in the class. So, and I've said on a couple of occasions that, you know, maybe he, he's a true freshman that could push. I want to see Blake Fisher because I've been the lowest on him probably of, of most. Uh, I, I see the ability. Um, I see the talent. I want to see him playing against college players, not children on, on the high school level where he would literally grab them and throw them down, and the last time I checked, that's holding. <laughs> yeah, the similar to Spindler, though, where I want to see Spindler compete in August. Let's see Fisher in five months after Matt Bayless, too, right? <laughs> he did. He, li- he literally would grab people and throw them to the ground. That's holding, and then fall on them, and that's personal foul. Let's do Quinn Nelson, then it's just cool all the way yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he gets a Devin I, White, then it's allowed. <laughs> Fisher's a real talent and you know, I mean, I want, he needs to be probably in a little better shape, um, you know, stamina wise, uh, but he's a really talented player. He's, he is probably the guy that I want to see more than anybody in, in person this spring. Yeah. Um, style, I like the styles idea though, too. And I wrote about it in Monday musings. It's you, you want to play wide receiver for Brian Kelly early. That early enrollment's important as a true freshman, because it's Stefferson and TJ Jones got in. We're good. He had them in mind all summer. They got better in the summer. They got better in August, and they played all freshman year. And that's hey, there. You want to talk about hitting the two deep by August if you're good. Wide receiver has that possibility too. Yeah, no doubt. And I, you know, I realize that all Pew, Devin all Pew, and Will Schweitzer probably aren't in a position to get past, you know, uh, yeah. several guys at the at the rush end spot. But I want to, I, you know, you want to see them. You want to see, you know, when you watch them practice this spring, okay, does that look like a guy that's going to develop into a pass rusher? I like them both. I, you know, I liked them both on high school film. I thought Schweitzer was a real natural pass rusher and, and all Pew has such great length. It'd be interesting to see those two guys. 
Wreckers 33 hot. How do you reconcile Brian Kelly's comments before the Camping World Bowl and after the Rose Bowl about the need to improve recruiting with Sampson's story that Kelly hasn't spoken to Tyson Ford, one of the top defensive line targets? Should Notre Dame fans expect more of the same from Kelly's recruiting? You know, I, no. Um, and I, you know, after that story ran, I, you can imagine that got a little pushback on that one. Um, and, you know, I was so told he like, actually did call Tyson Ford? No, no, oh, I didn't get okay. pushed back in like it's incorrect. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Push, well, then the pushback push is pushback in the idea that Brian Kelly is not active in recruiting. Um, you know, that Man, he I is would... texting and calling kids, nor, nor did the story indicate that he has not you know, was not doing this with other kids. Um, you know, I think in that instance, Notre Dame felt like they had Tyson Ford pretty much locked up, um, you know, and didn't feel the need to to go down the Brian Kelly route there. But if other coaches ask, if other coaches ask Brian Kelly to get involved in recruitments, Brian, I'm told Brian Kelly will just happy to jump in there and mix it up in the early days of recruiting, which I don't know if that was always the truth earlier on. So. You know, is that is that going to impact recruiting long term? I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's a hope that it will around Notre Dame, but um, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's uh, we'll see if I, I guess if you're Notre Dame, the the point that you want to be made is that you know Brian Kelly talking to Tyson Ford or not talking to Tyson Ford doesn't need to be indicative of everything else. Uh, that's that's what they would tell you. If you have my question on this is this is just logical question. If you think you have Tyson Ford wrapped up and he's a really good player you want, why wouldn't the head coach call him and wrap it up? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a legitimate, I, that that's a legitimate question. That's I'm not saying that it has to happen. Maybe other ones don't. It just doesn't make, cause that's not in on a guy. That's not early. That's an early pledge, but it's not getting in on someone early in their recruitment. This is, you better lock them up. Right. Yeah. No, I, one, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that Notre Dame's, view is like we have him he's locked up he's going to commit and then we're going to put him on the phone with bk because that's like how they used to do it um, gotcha. but that's not, i think that's not how they're going to do it a lot moving forward so i i would hope that if if you're notre dame like you look at this and be like okay let's avoid this situation moving forward um you know let's not have another tyson ford story where like maybe the next time there's a tyson ford story oh the oklahoma or some other team does get over the line with him at the very end yeah i you know we, I got a lot of pushback on this because I didn't write about it in Thursday Thoughts, which I thought, I thought those were supposed to be my thoughts, not yeah, somebody well, else's thoughts were for me. Me, me on yeah, the board as but, well. Like, why are you talking about this? I don't know. I didn't talk to Pete before about it. <laughs> I, mean, I, tr- I even mentioned, I trust Pete. Pete's not lying, but right. I... How am I writing a story about what another site's writer talked to Tyson Ford about? Like that's yeah. it's like, like why like, would I? Right, and I, I and, talked, and I asked Tyson Ford and Tyson Ford mom about it. So. Well, and how do you criticize the head coach when Norton got a verbal commitment <laughs> yeah. from him? I mean, yeah. what, what are we? <laughs> yeah. And and here's my here's my point that we don't know. You know, we don't we don't know how many phone calls Brian Kelly's made that the Oklahoma coach didn't make to a kid that came to Notre Dame. I mean, that, that it's an isolated incident. It's worth mentioning. It's, it is part, worth mentioning. It's just yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. get it, but that that. One isolated incident does not mean it sounds like this is what Notre Dame said, and I agree with that. It doesn't mean that he he doesn't recruit at all or he's a bad recruiter. It's it was this one situation. It sounded 
unique and yes, a little bit a little bit a little bit, start, a little bit startling <laughs> on the surface but he committed to Notre Dame so yeah. what are we criticizing Brian Kelly for it's a it's not it's not Brian Kelly fighting Irish it's Notre Dame fighting Irish and he's part of the process with assistant coaches and as long as they get him that's all that really matters but I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know what to criticize other than and how many times have we said it in the past that have there been instances in the past where he could have done more in recruiting? Yeah, but we don't hear about every recruiting story where he goes above and beyond the call of duty to get somebody for Notre Dame. I mean, we do hear about a lot of them uh, and you guys have written about them. I know that I've written about them. Like, look, I, I went to Virginia to sit down with Chris Tyree after Chip Long left and Chip Long was the primary recruiter on them. And I spent time with Tyree's parents talking to them about the impact Brian Kelly made. I wrote a, a big story on Michael Mayer when he signed about the impact Brian Kelly made on, um, you know, that recruitment after again, Chip Long left position coach and primary recruiter. Um, so I think the idea that every story that involves Brian Kelly and recruiting is negative is kind of ridiculous, but um, this was a weird instance where it was a top 100 defensive end that you got uh, that didn't have that relationship who wanted the relationship. Um, so that's a little bit weird. Also yes. unique. Look, you have a new defensive <laughs> coordinator who came in and basically pulled that out of the fire. Yeah. 72 hours before the commitment. That's really interesting to me. So it's, I think there are some people that think every time you do a story about Notre Dame recruiting that involves Brian Kelly, that's a negative thing. It's not. Um, I think that's kind of ridiculous, but I, I think there, there are a lot of dynamics of the Tyson Ford story that I find interesting. Brian Kelly is one of them. Uh, how Notre Dame uses Brian Kelly moving forward is interesting. How Marcus Freeman impacted is interesting. Why Tyson Ford was so predisposed to love Notre Dame in the first place. is interesting. So there's a lot, uh, a lot of angles to that one. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to ask, uh, I'm supposed to ask Brian Kelly about his lack of effort in recruiting compared to the other coaches in the playoffs when he's made the playoffs two of the last three years and he's just finished eighth in the country or seventh in the country. I mean, <laughs> you know, there, there, there is a, de there's decorum and there is a level of professionalism and baiting a coach, me baiting a coach because of somebody else is unhappy with the way the Notre Dame program is going. Uh, to me, that's like when people spend Notre Dame's money. You know, people always like to spend Notre Dame's money. Well, people also like to tell us how we should conduct ourselves and handle our careers. And I'm not going to allow that to happen. Tim, Tim, JG, Tim, JG, nine, eight, seven. This is a great question. Who is the best undrafted player of the BK era? Will it be Ian Book? Well, book book could be drafted. I think book will be drafted in the seventh round, just as I said in June, when we knew everything. About the, the first guy that the first guy that <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to get a shot either way. So I mean, he's done enough that he deserves a shot, and I think he I think he will get drafted. The first guy that came to mind for me was Matthias Farley, and then yeah, I thought about I mean, it. Then I thought about it further. One. And I didn't actually go all the way back to the beginning of BK's tenure at Notre Dame, but then Romeo Aquara's name came to mind. Right. That's the one, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It Ro is, Romeo Aquara's made 
$8.3 million playing football. There yeah. you go. He Farley, Farley did a heck of a – Farley's made switch. four. Also and good. He, and he started at corner. I mean, Matthias Farley starting the NFL at corner. You know, he was always just the utility safety that was – it was better than Notre Dame fans and some writers credited him for. I didn't think it was a starting NFL corner. <laughs> like that, that's a heck of an effort by Matthias Farley. That's that's astonishing. It is. <laughs> yeah. I the mean, level the level of athleticism yeah. needed by a cornerback in the NFL. And I, you know, Matthias Farley's a oh, we knew he's a good football player. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, Josh Adams may may has made a little bit of a dent, but again, um you know, the, the knee issues, but, and then bars and must have started how many games this past season for a playoff team, not a real, yeah, not a real good, good offensive team, but Chicago bars is a rough one. He certainly would have been drafted. I mean, he was, yeah. Oh, yeah because of the injury. Yeah. 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 DMB three forty six over under on Notre Dame's points per game in 2021. Uh, DMB three forty six sets that over under at 32.5. <laughs> That'll be over. Yeah, it needs to be over. It needs to be, but yeah. Wow, um, four. You know, three or four new starting offensive linemen, new quarterback. Although you do have a a veteran yeah. guy, you're breaking in new receivers. They've scored after four years without averaging thirty points per game under Brian Kelly. They've averaged at least thirty, and usually several points beyond for the last seven seasons. 32.5 would have ranked 38th last year between Texas A&M and Georgia. So um, that's, I think, pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good number. Um, I'm not ripping on the uh, no, over-under. The over-under was no, set really well. Question. I'm yeah. just saying it needs to be over. Um, it's such an interesting offense to, to look at with the what they can do because the, the offensive line cannot, and people have, Top back of this on the message board cannot be as good as it was last year. That's why people right. care about the talent. It and cannot. Yet, it, it cannot be not. as good as last. Who's year's. shooting back at you at this? But one? the wide receivers can be better. Yes. Right. Yes. The wide receivers can be better. It doesn't matter. They don't have any. You know, impressively, if you just have the healthy guys, the wide receivers can be better. Um, the tight ends. I actually came kind of came around on this one. Michael Mayer will be just be a much better player than he was as a freshman. Now. They cannot be as good as they would have been with Tommy Tremble, but the tight ends can be very good. Right. They're just no drop off because Mayer can be the first team All-American. So if you look at it that way, clearly I, having Tremble would help. Yeah. I think <laughs> but, Tack, I think I really think Tack is going to take a, a significant step up this year. But I, I mean, look at it from the tight ends last year versus the year before. Right. right. You would have said like, well, they lose Cole Komet. No way the tight ends can be as good <laughs> as they were the year before. Right. And they probably yeah. weren't as good, but they were still really, really good. Yeah. You know, yeah, the I mean, offensive they're, they're, line is a different question. It is. So, but that's, that's, that is the crux of the offense for Brian okay, Kelly what if you, scoring. What if, you, what if you bring in a starting grad transfer guard? Yeah. No, I, I, then, well, they can't be as good as last year's offensive line. No, but, I'm not but, saying that. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm 32.5. I, I, I think they're going to go over anyway. I think the approach um, and the need to go over can happen. Like this, this would be way over analysts saying that Notre Dame, over analyzed saying Notre Dame didn't try to go over that, you know, didn't try to go over their own point total this year, but they were in control of all but four games. Um, they do control the game by running the ball and they didn't, Ian book didn't take many shots. I just think there's, there's more shots to be had. There's more points to be scored in all of college football. And I think Notre Dame gets on with that. The key is, can they keep teams off the scoreboard as easily as they have been for the last four years? 
tie in Cleveland when talking about the offensive line in 2021, you have mentioned Jarrett Patterson starting at left tackle. Are you confident he can return from his complicated foot injury and start this season? If he can't, who gets a left tackle spot? Let me, let me interject that. I mean, what I've heard is he's ahead of schedule. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to do in the spring. Obviously there'll be no physical yeah, work, he but he no, of course not. But, I've heard real positive things about how quickly he is coming around. So I think he will, I mean, at least based upon what I know right now, I think he'll be ready. Certainly he'll, he'll be ready by August to go barring setbacks. Who would but, be, okay. But, let's say he's not, let's say he's not. So it does lug stay at right tackle and you try out Tosh Baker. It depends where Jack uh, Tosh Baker is, but right. Well, it depends on Tosh, Tosh Baker's going to be Josh. where, but wherever Josh Baker is in the spring without Pat, he's going to be plenty in the spring without Patterson. Like they should put Tosh Baker where Patterson will be. Well, and you Does have that Christop- make sense because you have Christophic. That's true. Yeah. You have Christophic yeah. too. It's um, one of the two guys. It's Christophic yeah. or Baker. And you keep yeah. at right tackle just because he's good at right tackle and you don't need to move yeah. to left tackle. Yeah. I think that the, the right tackle left tackle thing is, I think a little bit overdone in college. Well, Lugs played center and guard, so he could probably pop out to left tackle, too. Yeah. He'll get them all done. Um, but we do think Patterson, we both think, we all think Gibbons to start the season, right? Yes, start the season. I mean, I would, I, I, would, I would imagine that, I you would, know, the guard, the guard competition this spring, I sure yeah. hope we can watch it because I know. it's really. I mean, it's we won't be able open. to. We won't be able to. I know. I know. I mean, we're. Hope we're too. We're dreaming if we're if we think we're yeah. going to get more than a couple practices in in Notre Dame Stadium, right? I would think more than one would be more a, than one yeah. would be <laughs> the blue gold game. We'll get that. The over, ah, the, yeah, the over under non blue gold game. I would set at zero point five. <laughs> I would bet the under. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. That's that's not great. All right, <laughs> real PGD one. Which upperclassman has the most to gain in the weight room training sessions this offseason? Oh, boy. Two two names pop to mind real easily. One's Braden Lindsay. But, I mean, Lawrence Key's the third, I, I, I think, needs it even more than Lindsay does. But they both – I mean, you should – those guys should walk into a room this summer or or by the start of fall camp, and you should ha- you should be able to say, wow, that guy physically is noticeably different than mm-hmm. he was. Uh, you know, uh, I just wonder sure if they're too slightly it, built for that. Are they just, I guess Lindsay could get rocked. I mean, Lindsay could really look a lot more. He just look a lot more physical, I suppose, than he does. Keith is a small guy. Anybody I can mean, make, anybody can make a difference if you. That's true. That, that That's true. He could go from smallish to looking athletic wide receiver. Right. That's, I'll go uh, Andrew Kristofik because I really feel like the strength stuff is what that's missing. That's yeah. been the missing link for him, maybe the last couple of years. Uh, I, I, w- I would say Takis. I don't know where he is, but if mm-hmm. he's going to take a big step up, that would be very important for him. I think Isaiah Foskey. You know, although he looks good, he certainly looks good <laughs> in the football uniform. There's no doubt about that. We all should need a good offseason. I hear you. I hear you. Looks like Isaiah Foskey. I hear you. But you know, just strength, brute strength, and just being able to play, you know, 50 snaps as opposed to 22 or yeah. maybe or less many times. Uh, that's a big step up. Anybody else you guys would? Yeah. Uh, and I think of it every time I wonder why he didn't well, start all year at Buck. 
and it's Jack Kaiser. I think Jack Kaiser, the reason he didn't start mm-hmm. is he's just not as physically strong as the other Bucks were. Yeah. He is a better football player. He is a better football player than the Bucks that played in front of him. He just was not, I don't think he was physically strong enough. Tariq Bracey, obviously, absolutely has to. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what you just said about Kaiser. And I, you know, I think Leofile is going to be a really good college linebacker. I do too. But Jack Kaiser knows what he's doing out there. He couldn't get on the field when the two guys in front of him didn't. I mean, it's a strange thing. Yeah. In fact, we need to talk about that, about, you know, who's going to be where, because I mean, obviously I don't think you go away from your four, two, five or your Rover, but, but obviously Marcus Freeman likes a three, three, five. And so, I, I speculate I just, about this a little bit in the linebacking core, uh, my uh, building block story. I don't uh, think you're going to have a rover. I don't think you're going to have a rover that plays the same role Ousu Koromoa played, where he's covering in the slot position and stuff like that, one-on-one. Like nobody can do that, though. It's like, just like he's a – I think it's like James Onowalu era back to – Kaiser could. No, Kaiser could not do it. Well, Jeff, not like Ousu Koromoa, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm not, that's yeah. the problem with it. We're going we're gonna to spend way too much time on that position this fall, like – why are they, why isn't the Rover is like, is Freeman's scheme different? They should go back to the Rover. It's like, no, you should put Jeremiah Usukoromoa back out there. Like, I, <laughs> okay. I don't he know how he, free, I, after I am he's curious, drafted like, in a first rounder before. <laughs> do, do the, do the jobs of those linebackers change? Does Freeman want the, the buck, whatever it's called to do different things than he did for Clark Lee? I mean, the Rover, whatever it's called, is that going to be a different job i don't know um i mean it's... yeah i don't either but but you know a 335 is going to be in his i mean that's a, a significant part of his package I, I think they'll match up not that clark lee didn't match up but i think marcus freeman is kind of the king of the matchups uh or he was yeah. at cincinnati yeah. um so it'll be interesting and then so think about if we don't get to see any of those practices i, I mean we're trying well we'll be asking questions and you know who will be who will we be asking those questions of we don't even you don't even really know so we if we have to go a second spring without watching the players that significantly impacts it certainly impacts our well you know it'll impact it a lot more this year I I think last year um, other than personnel like kind of just looking back at our assumptions and stuff last year it was such a veteran team we knew that was going to come in with with offensive linemen and a running game and a quarterback that had to that wasn't going to hit it deep and they didn't have the wide receivers and the defensive line was going to be good and they didn't have any safeties. I mean, we kind of hit that nail on the head. I don't know what the world I would say if I'm trying to, cause I, I wrote a story last year at this time, I made a bunch of assumptions and then a bunch of wild assumptions. It was kind of a fun thing to do. The assumptions were right. Like I couldn't believe it. I got them right. Everything. And the wild assumptions were all wrong. And I feel like this time would be all wild assumptions. Like I think be so many more wild assumptions. I don't know if they're going to have a Rover. I don't know when you say three, three, five, Who's the fourth defensive back that can play? Oh, well, yeah. You know what I mean? Let alone five? <laughs> yeah, let alone five. We're just yeah, going like, to just... throw a bunch of freshmen out there? Right now? I had to it's... do a two deep, and I like, I couldn't I couldn't give you the two deep at corner. Like, I just had to leave it TBD after it was Tariq Bracey was one of the backups, and like, the the boundary corner is, second team is TBD, backing up Cam Hart, who might as well be TBD. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's just that's, well. Uh, I think Lewis could slide over the boundary. Sure, sure. It's just a strange. If you, like, if you want to do that, I mean, you right. need to remake Tariq Bracy if, if you're Marcus Freeman, Mike Mickens. He he was benched for the last two playoffs. Yeah, it's, two years yeah. after he was benched for the playoffs. Well, that's why he has to come back <laughs> physically a lot yeah. stronger. I, I 
I still think he can play. I mean, yeah, I just, no, he's shown it. You know, I, his I, middle I, year. Yeah, I, I I still think he can play. He has. To, I mean, you you have to coach him up. You right? <laughs> did, did you hear Pete's depth chart? He has to. <laughs> yeah. Nobody else really. I mean, it's like you're looking for probably two Clarence Lewis type stories this year. Yeah. If you're Notre Dame on defense, just a corner. Unless a Henderson are off, or or you need Henderson or off for day. Yeah. But the, I yeah, mean, those, again, those would be know. Clarence Lewis type stories based on how little they they flashed. If if it's Henderson or Offord this year, I mean, those, those guys are not really any more established than um, no you know, Tucker I mean, least, and Riley and uh, Barnes. At least the they've been is, in, they've been in a system. Of course, the system's changing. Right, Freeman. So <laughs> the good news is, until you guys talked to Clark Lee last summer, let's just go back to last February. None of the three of us said, well, Clarence Lewis is obviously going to beat out somebody no. in the corner and have a good year. <laughs> so I wonder something when they else will happen. Yeah. I wonder when they, I mean, they I probably do. didn't I, go till August, right? I bet they, yeah, because you don't get to see enough of him. And just, he was, he was the non-early enrollee. <laughs> Think about <Yep>. that. <laughs> That's crazy. Weird stuff, man. Weird, weird season. All right. <laughs> Matt Rogers. Speaking of which, what do you make of Quinn Carroll's health and prospects going forward? It will be his third year in the program. Is he just a name among many or a favorite to earn a starting job? And I will point out that none of us said his name when we were running through our starters. That's now. true. You know, I, I remember somebody, I think, on a message board saying, uh, having watched Carroll play a little bit this year, saying, wow, the injury has really slowed him down. He looks stiff. No, they thought he was stiff before before the, the injury. I, I mean, I thought he was an out, I thought he was a really, really good prospect who I like to tackle, but thought would be better at guard. Yeah. We all kind of settled on the guard. Right. And that's, that's clearly where they're looking at him moving forward. But uh, I mean, I, you know, he's not a favorite to win a starting job. I I, I wouldn't say that. I don't know that anybody's a favorite outside of Gibbons because of what Gibbons was able to do in a, in a brief span in 2020. I feel like the guard position, they're going to start three and a half guards this year. You know, it's going to, they're going to try some different things during, I feel like this season, there's going to be a lot of like in season lineup adjustments. You got younger players, not sure where you got till the lights go on. You're going to try some different things. Um, I think Quinn Car- Carroll is going to be one of those, try some different things. Yeah. And like, I would say like, it's worth noting your third year in the program. If you're an offensive lineman, that's when, that's when you're supposed to make a move. Yes. Um, yes. And Carol's I, at uh, is it appropriately time to make a move now? Where and Lug, that's like, and that's assuming if he didn't have, or have a knee, which he did. Right. Where Lug was in 2019 is where you expect. Yeah, like Chris Watt and, and right. Chris Carroll. Right. Chris Watt didn't do anything for two years. Was a big time recruit, and then I think as a third year was kind of a part time player, right. and then was a great player as a senior and a fifth year senior. I would expect, you know, Quinn Carroll could have a similar career arc. Eichenberg is also a good example. He was passed yeah. as a redshirt freshman by true freshman Robert Hainsey and stuck behind Mike McGlinchey because they knew he was never going to play. I mean, that was a that's that's about as much as you can tell someone that you're not involved in the running when you have you start spring when it's Eichenberg and Kramer, you start August it's Hainsey and Kramer and you're stuck behind Mike McGlinchey on the other side. I mean, and now look at him; he's he was their best lineman for two straight years. Right. So it is it is a thing where it takes guys a while. And Pete, you made a good point. With a knee injury, he had no hope of overtaking anybody in his class, even for six, seven months, right? Yeah. And then he lost spring and summer to COVID. I mean, Quinn Carroll had no shot last year. I still don't think he'll ever be a tackle at Notre Dame. 
you know, all the excuses we're making. Yeah. He's a I think he's a guard. I mean, no, I, guards I, are I, guards I, are great too. Guards I are very important. Guards 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 block too. Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think the free year, the free year last year from the NCAA. Yeah, Quinn Carroll. That's Perfect. really, really valuable to him moving forward. D-I-F-N-D, all caps. With scholarship offers made to three quarterbacks at the moment, do you expect Notre Dame to offer more quarterbacks this cycle than previous years? Do you think it benefits Notre Dame to offer and seriously pursue more quarterbacks in each class? The three that they have offered are Steve Angeli, uh, Gavin Wimsett, and uh, Ty Simpson fairly recently. I don't know. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't either. I don't know, I don't know the answer surprised. to this question. I think that, um, you know, recruiting, we cover recruiting and follow recruiting. And so much of it is like the horse race of like the recruitment part of it. Like, how do I convince you to come to the school where I work with quarterbacks? I think it's much more about the evaluation and who you, who is in your sort of pecking order, because it's, it's a, you only take one position on like every other spot. And I, I'm not sure I have a really good read on on how Notre Dame views its quarterback board right now. Yeah, I am. I don't mind pursuing multiple quarterbacks. Of course, I think that question was was well asked too. Is it realistic that they will continue to pursue multiple quarterbacks in the age of grad transfers? I don't know about bringing in four quarterbacks in two years. Um, when when one of them should be your starting quarterback for three years, right? I mean. Ideally. As of now, they as of now, you've got to look at Tyler Buckner if you're Notre Dame as our starting quarterback for three years. You really want four, three other quarterbacks within his two year span? I mean, I guess you don't care if someone's going to. Hey, maybe the world of grad transfers means well, we're going to lose Brendan Clark to grad transfer someday if if Tyler Buckner is a three year starter, right? Mm-hmm. You could even lose Drew Pine to grad transfer a fifth year guy with his Notre Dame degree if Tyler Buckner is going to keep starting. So maybe you need to bring in guys to combat that. I was I was looking at grad transfers and Notre Dame can bring one in whenever they want one. But in reality, Notre Dame loses quarterbacks to grad transfer every year as well. So I should have probably pointed that out. But I I don't get four quarterbacks in a Buckner cycle with two. I don't mind competition at quarterback though. But boy, they never bring in two good. It's been what since nineteen eighty nine they brought in two quarterbacks that were really good at the same time. Tim. I mean, yeah, I mean, and I mean <laughs> you've you've pointed out how many times uh, when they brought two in in a year that they don't they both no, don't stay at Notre Dame. You can't. I, I agree with Buckner. I mean, you, you're looking at him as, I mean, ideally, that's your starting quarterback from 2022 to 2024. Um, I like Wimsett uh, athletically. I think Angeli is really, really coming on and is really a technician. I haven't studied Simpson yet because I don't. Is it Simpson or Samson? No, it's Simpson. It's definitely Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Pete would be well prepared if it was Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> no, I knew that. I knew that. I just wanted he to say He's good. That. Yeah, no, he's good. And um, But, man, you know, you, you can't – how often can you bring two in in a year? How many quarterbacks are willing to – there yeah. was a time when, I mean, I remember in the 80s when you had three come in in a year. I mean, it's – you just – it's it's a different ball game from a lot of perspectives, and one of them is a quarterback bringing two in in a year. I understand that you have to do that sometimes, but you know that you're not going to bring two, you know, four no, star quarterbacks I mean, in. Like so, Frazier and Jones came in together, and then they were automatically done because of Clawson. And that just happens. You got to get a Clawson. Like Notre Dame can't just keep going with. Well, let's see which one of these six quarterbacks we recruit in three years works out. You know that's why my point with Buckner is it's like having a Clawson. 
Like you, you, I know he might not work out, but you have to think he's going to work out if you're Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame fan, and, right? And now with the ability to get a grad transfer quarterback, now and now that Nor- remember yeah. we were saying, wow, will Notre Dame do that? Well, they did it, and once you do it, it becomes a yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't positive that they would. I, we thought that they should. Yeah, they I wasn't should. positive yeah. that they would, uh, but now that they've done it once, and especially if it works out in 2021, uh, they will definitely do that again. AMP 36, for those much wiser than me, what's the knock on Ron Paulus III? I see a big dude with good feet, smooth release, can accurately throw across and down the field. Add in the football family pedigree, and I'm struggling to see what the glaring problem is. My guess is he played against low-level competition. What else am I missing? He doesn't have good feet. I mean, that was, that was part of the statement, and he just flat out doesn't. He is not mobile. Uh, he throws a nice ball. I've, I've seen him since he was a a young teen in Notre Dame stadium before a game playing catch with his dad. I mean, he's always throwing the ball. Well, how accurately, you know, I, I, I haven't. That spent is so s- hard to know until you see them in against college windows as opposed to high school. No, windows. That, that's, yeah. that's very true. That's very I mean, true. Brandon Wimbush was an accurate dude in high school. Remember? Right. Cause the, he threw right. wide open windows to people. It was, but, you know. he, but I mean, Ron Paul's third mobility is not, he, there was a Kentucky offer. It was my understanding that that wasn't a committable offer. He did not have offers to a power five conference school. Uh, maybe everybody's wrong. Right. Oh no. Yeah. We're not saying it's not set in stone, but it's also people could be right about their evaluations too. I just think yeah. that Notre Dame sees them as a developmental prospect. And, you know, if you get something down the road, okay. Um, but he can help you, you know, help you in practice scout team, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's sort of how it's seen internally that, you know, he can, he can help your program, which doesn't necessarily mean he's throwing a bunch of touchdown passes on a Saturday. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, uh, I'm happy for Ron Paulus the second. Yeah. I mean, we're comparing him to at, at this point now, we let's, if some people are going to rip on Ron Paulus, the third, I mean, they probably don't have the right to do that. They don't know enough about football for it, but are you comparing him to Tyler Buckner? Because that's what the comparison is going to be for four years, right? There, I mean, he's he's brought in to be a backup, as Pete said, and you do bring in backups. Yeah, I just mentioned two guys that can transfer because they want to play someday. If Tyler Buckner wins the job middle of this season or next year, either Drew Pine, who loves Notre Dame, or Brendan Clark, who I assume loves Notre Dame and is injured, is going to leave the school to play football somewhere else. They all do. This is... I feel like we tiptoe around it because we'd have to name them when they're quarterbacks. Quarterbacks leave. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I, you know, I, I, I was a little surprised. I mean, as hard as he worked at becoming a, mm-hmm. a college quarterback, I was a little surprised that he didn't go elsewhere. But I mean, if you're a Paulus, I, I you know, I, I get it. You, you, ex, he, he and his dad, I'm sure expected a power five conference, um, right. you know, opportunity, especially since he was, He's been playing since he was a freshman at Penn High School, which is the best, has been the best high school football program in the area for for quite some time. They've dropped off a little bit, um, but he was playing early. He was playing, he, he got snaps as a freshman. So he won't transfer. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I would have think no, if he would. We, brought, yeah, we mean, brought that up in one of our podcasts. We brought it right. up. Oh, there's a vol. It's a volatile. Tyler Buckner could transfer if he doesn't win the job. I mean, but yeah, Paulus probably is not you going to stop transfer. talking right now, Matt. I know, I know. <laughs> I try not to say these things and offend people on podcasts. But quarterbacks transfer. Better quarterbacks, maybe. 
have transferred than him. Hey, just listen, Justin Fields and Joe Burrow transferred. So there's two better than Tyler Buckner. Maybe not, but maybe. All right. TDISU 19. How much longer do you think Jack Swarbrick will stick around? Is he planning on timing his exit with Brian Kelly's? Any ideas? Who Notre Dame might target to replace him, and whoever it is, they'll have some big shoes to fill. In my opinion, he could be the best Notre Dame has ever had. Well, I've, I've known, I've personally known every AD since Moose Krause, who was a wonderful guy. It was a different era then, you know. And I mean, trying to compare Moose Krause to Jack right. Swarbrick now, the role of the position is <laughs> it's, not even. it's just it's just night and day. You can't even compare the two. I think. I think Jack Swarbrick, and I, you know, I mean, the the many of the things that Dick Rosenthal did for Notre Dame, uh, Gene Corrigan, that that was a great hire for Notre Dame, a very experienced guy when he came in. Uh, I liked Kevin White a lot. Kevin White, I thought, was a good administrator. I rarely hear that from any Notre Dame fan. <laughs> uh, Dick Wadsworth was was a Notre Dame graduate. Um, but I, well, first of all. I don't think there's anything to the timing of his exit with Brian Kelly's. I don't, I don't think that that's in play at all or in consideration at all for Jack Swarbrick. Um, yeah. yeah no, I, go, I, ahead. I, go ahead. Pete. I, I think Swarbrick has been a great AD at the right time for Notre Dame. Um, exactly who they needed when they hired him. Um, I guess as a, pertains to Brian Kelly's replacement, I think Notre Dame would be well served if the next AD picked the next football coach um, for the sake of continuity right down the the chain, which Brian Kelly and Jack Swarbrick have both benefited from. Um, I think it's good if your AD and your your head football coach are sort of like in it together, Um, unless Jack Swarbrick wants to be in the job for another 15 years, which I'm he guessing doesn't. he does not. He doesn't. Uh, that he is a, that, that's a, yeah, that's a topic that him and I have discussed on a couple of occasions and he, he does not, I think, I mean, I'm a little surprised he's still here to be honest. Well, like, it'd be, I'll tell you why, because of the pandemic and, yeah. and his, he mentioned his, it on our interview with him. Right. His feeling. Podcast, of, yeah. And he had mentioned that to me again, privately too. his feeling of responsibility towards Notre Dame. He wasn't, he wouldn't walk out mm-hmm. now. Now, if things, you know, when things get back to normal, remember I said a year, when did I say a year ago that things would change forever? You'll see and I, Dublin, Ireland covering the Navy game. Yeah. Things will be back to normal. <laughs> Houston Griffith is blitzing off the edge with his right. He's back. You know, but so I don't, I don't think he would walk out until things were on solid footing with this whole pandemic thing, for one thing, and whether, you know, whether he would make the move right then, but it, it's something that he's given consideration to. It doesn't have anything to do with Brian Kelly. Um, as far as replacements, Bubba Cunningham at North Carolina, I don't know how happy he is there. I'm sure he's very happy there, but he is a Notre Dame graduate and used to be in the athletic department in Notre Dame. Uh, Boo Corrigan is the son of Gene Corrigan. He's at NC State. He was at Army first. I would have thought Jim Phillips would have been a candidate who was at Notre Dame was AD at Northwestern for a long time, but he's now going to be the new commissioner of the ACC. So I don't think that he's going to, Unavailable. to, dip, yeah, to dip back to Notre Dame. I think Bubba Cunningham would be great. Um, and Bubba Cunningham, go get the uh, trophy that they took back from Notre Dame Stadium at Tulsa. 
after that game? You remember that awkward post-game presentation? Uh, you know, I've talked to Bubba Cunningham <laughs> a handful of times over the our last few years, and that's never really come up. Come on! That is number one. They brought a trophy to give to Notre Dame after Notre Dame was going to beat them for Tulsa's first trip to the stadium, yeah. and Tulsa won. Why there has why to be a... There's got to be a 30 for 30 short on that, at least. That's Why amazing. don't I know anything about that? Because <laughs> they had to slide the trophy out of the room. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, thanks for having us awkward. at the stadium. We won. Goodbye. We'll take this with us now. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, Tulsa should take it home and display <laughs> it, it prominently. <laughs> Dad of the 90s, on a related note, who leaves first, Bray or Kelly? Definitely Bray. Bray. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's an issue. And we will end with this question from Sigils. And I like this question. Since tomorrow is Groundhog Day, in the spirit of the Bill Murray Classic, what's one aspect of last season's team you don't want to repeat and one aspect you hope is repeated? There's so many things to I discussed them both on this podcast. I don't want to repeat uh, the lack of downfield explosion from the wide receiver unit. And I do want to repeat of an offensive line dominant force that is the reason Notre Dame wins games. Because I always want that to repeat forever for any team I follow, cover, or root for. <laughs> you win every game. I don't want to repeat spending Thanksgiving weekend in North Carolina. <laughs> you, you won't. But I, but I do want to repeat covering the college football playoff. Uh, I don't want a repeat of Jonathan Dorr making four of his last nine field goal attempts. That's when you can't cut, when you have no idea yeah. what you're going to get from your kicker. You're right. You know, that, uh, was, that was rough. That was rough. That was just one that popped in my head. But I'm I'm with you on with you on this, O'Malley, that Nordane was seventh in the country on third down. Think about how many times we complained about third and short and they couldn't convert. For years. They always they yeah. always converted on third and fourth and short. If they didn't, they didn't convert on third down or fourth down. That's a great stat to have. Again, probably won't be able to do that because of you don't have the offensive line that you had last year. But, uh, man, that's a, that's a great thing to have. I know it's not explosives, and I agree with you on that one, Tim. You know, it's not – it's not uh, – Got to have them both. You know, Got to have them both yeah, these days. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Can't, you can't have them both. But, man, it's great to be able to con- convert on short yardage. So, anyway, we're going to wrap it up with that. We'll be back next Monday. Thanks for joining us. This is Irish Illustrated Insider.